Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss Macbeth and his indecision right up to the point where he actually goes to kill Duncan the King. Um, And for that, I'm looking mainly at the end of Act 1 and the beginning of Act 2. Now, Macbeth has really come to a crunch point. He received a prophecy from the witches saying he was going to become king and immediately he thought about how that was going to happen um, and he thought about murdering Duncan. Um, but then Macbeth has also been promoted by Duncan recently and has a lot of reasons why he shouldn't commit this terrible act. And in Act 1, Scene 7, he gives a soliloquy, a long speech where he weighs up um, all the reasons why he shouldn't kill Duncan. First of all, um, he believes that blood will have blood. And if he kills Duncan in a bloody murder, it will come back to bite him at some point in the future. He says, bloody instructions which being taught return to plague the inventor. He, he describes it as a poisoned chalice. Um, if he takes on this role of king under a cloud of murder and secrecy and betrayal, then he's going to be taking a poisoned chalice, a cup that's full of poison. Secondly, he mentions that Duncan is his kinsman and he is his subject. And Duncan's there um, in the Macbeth castle, completely trusting in their loyalty to him. So Macbeth says, you know, as his host, um, I should, against his murderer, shut the door, not bear the knife myself. How ridiculous is it that Macbeth is um, there to keep Duncan safe and he's actually the one who's going to kill him? He also says that Duncan's been a really good king. Um, and in the time that this was written, this play, um, there was a lot about kingship, about kings having a divine right, being appointed by God to kill the king. Regicide was an unforgivable act of treason. Um, so that Macbeth's thinking about this, even thinking about this, is, is completely wrong. He acknowledges by the end of the soliloquy, I have no spear to prick the sides of my intent but only vaulting ambition, which overleaps itself and falls on the other. A bit like riding a horse, when you uh, gear the horse up for a jump, and you get to it, and you go so far vaulting over the horse, you end up um, falling down. But then Lady Macbeth um, intervenes and uses all of her persuasive techniques to convince Macbeth to go through with it. She tells him that um, he's a coward if he doesn't do it, and that if she had made a promise such as this, then she would even kill her own baby who was feeding from her uh, rather than go back on her word. And she also assures him that they'll not fail. And so after this convincing speech, Macbeth is left feeling like he doesn't really have a choice. Now, as we enter into Act 2, Macbeth is left alone. Duncan is in in bed and he's left with this decisive turning point moment 
of whether he's going to actually go and kill Duncan. And this is probably one of the most famous speeches in the play, one of the most famous soliloquies. Is this a dagger which I see before me, the handle toward my hand? Now, what you need to think about is all the different interpretations of this speech. You know, what does the dagger represent? In one sense, the dagger is maybe a projection of Macbeth's imagination. I mean, he's so obsessed with the idea of killing Duncan. And obviously, the dagger is the instrument which he's going to use. Um, so he's got a dagger in his own belt, um, and and he sees the link there, um, that, you know, he, he was going to use a dagger to kill the king. But then the fact that um, blood begins to appear on the blade of the dagger symbolises the anticipation of guilt that Macbeth feels if he sheds the blood of this uh, good King Duncan, goes against everything he's ever been taught to do that. Um, he's going to feel that guilt and he's not going to be able to get rid of it. There's also a sense in which perhaps the dagger is a kind of um, vision or spell cast by the witches to egg Macbeth on um, because he says that it's kind of marshalling him the way he should go uh, towards killing Duncan. It's also worth saying that, that this whole scene really reflects Macbeth's mental instability. You know, he's literally been driven crazy by this indecision and what shall he do and um, of, of the horrible thoughts that he's got about killing Duncan. And I think it shows that really... Um, he has got a key indecisiveness because if Macbeth was um, was really 100% sure about this, he would have already gone and done it. He wouldn't be here telling us about this imaginary dagger in front of him. We might remember as well that back early in the play, we've got the description of Macbeth's performance in the battle um, and the servants um, just describe how Macbeth's sword smoked with bloody execution. Um, in other words, he, he ruthlessly mowed down people with his sword um, because he didn't care. He knew he was in the right. But this is not what we see here. Um, he knows he's not in the right. He knows he shouldn't kill Duncan. So he's really hesitant to do it. So it's really interesting. We've got the brave Macbeth of Act 1 that we've heard about, uh, a mighty warrior in battle um, with a ruthless side to that. But now he's facing this decision to kill the king. Um, he's looking at this dagger, which is a great dramatic device because it's invisible to the audience. But Macbeth is convinced he can see it. He says, come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, yet I see thee still. Um, art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation, proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain? I see thee yet in form as palpable as this which now I draw. Thou marshalst me the way that I was going, and such an instrument I was to use. Mine eyes are made the fools of the other senses, or else worth all the rest. I see thee still, and on thy blade and dudgeon gouts of blood which was not so before. There's no such thing. It is the bloody business which informs us to mine eyes. Now over the one half-world nature seems dead, and wicked dreams abuse the curtained sleep. Now witchcraft celebrates pale Hecate's offerings and withered murder alarmed by a sentinel, the wolf, 
whose howls his watch, thus with his stealthy pace, with Tarquin's ravishing strides towards his design, moves like a ghost. Thou sure and firm set earth, hear not my steps which way they walk, for fear thy very stones prate of my whereabout. And isn't it interesting his mention of witchcraft and Hecate's offerings, Hecate like the Queen of the Witches, that the witches seem to be influencing Macbeth even when they're not on stage. Now, in the play, they only appear a few times, um, but it, Macbeth just seems saturated with these ideas of um, evil influences on his life. And then there's a bit of a, a shift in tone with the soliloquy and a bit of a transformation. He says, Whilst I threat, he lives. Words to the heat of deeds too cold breath gives. A bell rings. I go and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. And suddenly there's this real decisiveness, this bell ringing, um, sort of galvanises Macbeth into thinking, yes, now is the moment I'm actually going to do it. It's no good just talking about it. If I talk about it any longer, I'm just not going to do it. So I need to go. And the bell rings and he says, I go and it is done. And the short phrasing there really impacts the decisiveness that he's reached. The bell invites me, hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. That rhyming couplet gives a finality to his decision. This is it, Duncan. You're going to go to heaven or hell right now because I'm going to go and I'm going to kill you. Um, and I think it's interesting in the different um, actors' representations of this scene, the way that they play it. Um, you know, you can see um, some actors being very cold and calm and menacing at the end. Um, other actors seem more psychologically unhinged and a bit all over the place. I think it's really effective either way, really. Um, there's definitely a sense in which Macbeth has made a life-changing decision in this key moment and his decision to kill Duncan is going to change everything. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.